You're listening to Sugar House Sound. Hello, this is Connor Lockie with the Clutter and Dissonance podcast for the second episode. So if you missed the first one, this podcast is going to focus on new and exciting music as well as older stuff from all around the world, from all different styles. And yeah, that's essentially it. So for this episode, I wanted to focus on traditional and folk music and the way that artists have managed to take these sounds and kind of bring them into the 21st century and specifically this decade. Traditional and folk music can be kind of a tough thing to define sometimes, but for these purposes, I want to look at music that is native to a place that originates and is found mostly in one unique place, even if it's disseminated into other parts of the world. And I want it to be music that is older and has roots and was originally transmitted orally or is just such a part of this culture that people can no longer really find the original um, parts of it, which makes it so cool because there's kind of that element of mystery or at least just tradition to it that makes it so cool. And so to get started, um, I want to start with traditional American music and specifically Right now, I want to look at blues music. This is a band named $75 Bill. This is a cut from their second record. It's called Wood, Metal, Plastic, Pattern, Rhythm, Rock. And that record came out on Thin Wrist Records uh, in 2016, so last year. $75 Bill is unofficially a blues band. Any of their music you can hear. You can hear those influence of blues, the scales. Uh, the repetitive rhythms, you know, the repetitive structures. You can hear that in there, but they definitely do some interesting stuff with it. The band consists of Rick Brown on percussion and Che Chen on guitar. And Rick Brown's percussion playing is really unorthodox. He plays mostly on like a wooden box and he has a shaker and he kind of just hits that and moves it around, which if you look at the roots of blues music, you know, using unconventional objects as percussion instruments is definitely in the roots of that. You know, that is very true to the tradition of blues music. And Che Chen's guitar playing is really distorted, really sloppy. He puts a lot of phasing effects on it, and he uses a lot of kind of blues cliches like the hammer-ons and the bent notes, but he uses them in such a way that it becomes a lot more psychedelic and a lot more experimental here. Like I said, this is their second record, Parts of this record, to me, they put some extra instrumentation into it. Like I think there was some more guitars and maybe some woodwinds at some point. And that didn't really sit too well with me. I love the really stripped back sound when it's just the duo playing. To me, that is the essence of $75 Bill. And that is the case on this track, Cummins Falls. So here that is.
Okay, like I said, Cummins Falls by $75 Bill. A really unorthodox approach to playing blues music that has all the tenets of that original style of music, but still manages to bring them into the contemporary times. Moving on, still in America, for Matana Roberts, who is a saxophone player based out of Chicago. She is with the AACM, which has been a long-standing free jazz and other music kind of collective based out of Chicago, originally started by Roscoe Mitchell and Muhal Richard Abrams are some of their first players. But she is from the new generation, Matana Roberts, and she definitely combines these sounds of free jazz with a lot more experimental stuff, you know, sound collage, drone music. And right now she is in the process of a very ambitious, conceptual kind of album cycle she's calling Coin Coin. And essentially it's supposed to be an 11-part album series that documents the history of black lives in America. So far, she's come out with three. The third one, subtitled River Run V, came out in 2015. That's what I'm going to play a selection from. Finding one song to play on this podcast was really tough because her albums are definitely meant to appreciate it as a whole. They flow really well together. There's a lot of cool transitions, and the themes are best absorbed in that whole album experience. So I do strongly encourage anyone who enjoys this or this sounds interested to to check out the full albums, because that's the best place to experience Matana Roberts' music. But this is a track called This Land Is Yours, and you can hear all the things I've kind of been talking about. There's sound collage here. You know, she'll layer things on top of each other super densely to the point that it's kind of hard to discern between them. There's a lot of saxophone playing, some really great lines towards the end of this track especially. But what makes this drawing on traditional music is when she's trying to create this grand historic tale of a group of people, she inevitably has to draw on older types of music. So you'll hear in this a lot of gospel music and spiritual music. You know, she has this repeated refrain of come away with me, come away with me, and it has those folk harmonies in it. But the way she sings it is super haunting. You know, the voices sound really defeated and weary and just aged. And it just gives this whole track this really strange atmosphere. And like all of her music, it is enjoyable on a musical standpoint, but it's the message and the meaning of this music combined with it that makes it so powerful. All of the Coin Coin albums can be really aggressive and harrowing to listen to, but you know, that just makes them all the more successful for what they do. So this is This Land Is Yours.
Okay, This Land is Yours by Matana Roberts. You can hear that unconventional approach to documenting history there. I think it's really successful. Going north now to Canada, Victoria Island specifically, for an artist named Tanya Tagak. Tanya Tagak has been kind of blowing up and getting a lot of press recently. Specifically this album, Animism, from 2014. It won her a bunch of awards. And one of the things that draws people to her so much is she heavily uses Inuk throat singing in her music, which throat singing uh, can be a really abrasive way of singing and can be really, I guess, alienating to people who aren't familiar with that or who don't normally, you know, surround themselves with those type of sounds. But she, in a really interesting way, combines throat singing from traditional music in Canada and brings it into a myriad of different styles. I mean, this track alone is called Umegamak. And it goes through these three distinct phases. It starts out with kind of some atonal cello playing and like a marching snare drum kind of sound. Then it moves into this repetitive chant-like throat singing section. And then it just kind of goes into this dance punk rock groove at the end. And those three things are really different. It's really ambitious to try to link these three disparate styles up, but the way she layers them and just how bold it is in general for her to go for this sells it. It's enigmatic because she doesn't have any lyrics on this track and there's no really sense of why she's mixing all these sounds together, but just the pure curiosity of it is awesome. And again, the mixing and production on it is huge to making this all work. So this is Umigmak. Okay, once again, Umigmak from Tanya Tagak. She's taking these traditional singing styles and doing really, really strange things with them. Okay, now flying over on our global music journey to England with Richard Dawson. Richard Dawson has been making some really eccentric music for the better part of this decade. He's on Domino's label. Domino is a pretty famous indie label, but this is his new album, Peasant. Personally, I think it's his best album. This is one of my absolute favorites from this year. I've been listening to it a lot, and it is really, really clever and awesome. Um, so basically, his idea for this whole album was to kind of tell a bunch of vignettes or stories from Dark Ages era England. And he's using these stories to kind of talk about how things that ailed people then have not really been solved. You know, we're facing some of the same problems. He talks about war. He talks about problems with prostitution and sex workers. He talks about just generally 
sickness and death and alienation because of physical appearances. I mean, it's really interesting how he manages to stick to this medieval Dark Ages context, but it's still so applicable today. The track I'm going to play is called Scientist, and it's one of the ones that's definitely applicable and upsetting because it's this story of this scientist who comes down from the castle with this huge discovery and he will change the way people live and you know he just gets mobbed basically by this group of peasants in the town and they just like run at him and tell him they have no need for his science and it will ruin him and i don't know just this conflict between tradition and moving forward with progress something that i don't think we've overcome today which is why this album is so successful but outside of just the stories and the context i mean it is musically one of the best things it has this draw on traditional british folk music but it is so strange and that's where he finds that mediation his singing for one he just sounds like he's the town drunk just like drooling over his guitar he can barely walk around but it's just so gruff and passionate and strange and while there are elements of this where you can hear those melodies and the harmonies that would have been common in Dark Ages folk music, there is a lot here that is just super new and super strange, especially with these clumping drums and the shouting choruses. You know, it's, it's definitely unlike anything I've heard from that period or from contemporary times for that matter. So here is Scientist by Richard Dawson. Scientist by Richard Dawson. Please check that album out. It is so incredible. The stories he manages to tell and the really interesting folk music timbres that he gets. It's awesome. Uh, one of my absolute loves. Okay, and now from England, moving on to the European continent, to Portugal. Musicians Norberto Lobo and his brother Joel Lobo. They've both been at it. You know, they make different sorts of music. And this album in particular is called Oba Loba, and it's from 2015. So yeah, Portuguese band, and they incorporate a lot of different styles. You hear some like American jazz music, a lot of electronic music, maybe some folk music from all around the world. They're very traveled, very, you know, globalized people. But this track draws on more traditional Portuguese folk music. When you get into Portuguese, Spanish, Latin folk music, there are very specific sounds that you expect to hear. Chromatic scales are huge when I think of that kind of music. And the rhythms 
are very important. You know, you have bossa nova rhythms and flamenco rhythms uh, that come through in those traditional music. And this track falls definitely more in harmony than it does rhythm, because rhythm is one of the ways that on this track they manage to mix things up. It has this really weird staggering beat. It's very sparse. The whole thing is really just minimal and slow. And you can hear this melody that if you think of it sped up, could be like a really great Latin tune, but they slow it down and it's just this really wandering piano and really hazy, slow way of playing. And that's what makes it so psychedelic and awesome. So this is Casuari by the Lobo Brothers. Casuari by the Lobo Brothers. Again, it's just, it sounds like that music could fall apart at any second just because it's so slow and it almost sounds like they're all going to not play. They're playing so late in the beat and so off of time. Now that we've done Europe, I want to play a few selections from Africa. First, in Mauritania, uh, which is a country on the western coast of Africa. This is an artist, and her name is Naura Mint Semali. This is an album she came out with last year. It's called Arbina on Glitterbeat Records. A little background on Naura Mint Semali, because that's important to understanding her music. She comes from a traditional Mauritanian singing process called Grio. And Grio singing, so I've read, one of the things that you have to do is sing endlessly for like hours or even a day to the point where you lose your voice, you can no longer sing, and it just hurts. And apparently, after that, after you can't talk and can't sing for days because you've just worn your voice out so much, your voice will come back stronger, more full, and just all around better. And in that griot style, you can hear it coming through. Semali's voice is very, very potent, very powerful, very full. You can hear she has this huge lack of vibrato, and it'll just ring through this huge, resonant, deep voice. It's awesome. And so she's taken that, and she's combined it with kind of psychedelic rock, or maybe like a little bit of a new wave. Like I almost want to think of talking heads or kind of the pretenders, you know, something like that. Just wonky kind of beats and guitar music. But she uses traditional Eastern scales. You can hear those quarter tones and those, at least to a Western audience, unconventional ways of playing instruments. 
but she mixes them with this really heavy rock influence and it's just awesome it's so like, joyous and fun her music is really catchy she writes great melodies and again that voice is what i really want to focus on because it's really something so this is galana from now romance mali Semali with Glana from her 2016 record Arbina and that is psychedelic griot music and it's really a lot of fun to listen to. So now I'm going to go to South Africa for a group named Faka and it's Fedo Ramesa and Buyani Duma. It's a duo Faka is and they're associated with Non Worldwide. And if you like this idea of mixing traditional sounds with new music, Non Worldwide is a place for you to go. They are a record label that connects artists from all over the world, working mostly in the African diaspora and doing exactly that, taking these traditional sounds and managing to mix them with new sounds, a lot of dance music, a lot of ambient electronic music, and they're doing amazing things. I definitely one of my favorite record labels right now. Um their label head Chino Amobi put out a record this year called Paradiso, which is incredible. It's super noisy and abrasive, but just the theory and concept behind it and the way it all flows together is just so awesome. But coming back to South Africa and Tafaka. This is from their EP last year called Bottoms Revenge and this is the last track called Gotso. They have talked in interviews kind of about their theories and processes and it's pretty easy to pick up on what they're doing. They have these traditional kind of gospel sounds the sounds of South African choral music that have been around them for all their lives. but they also mix it with house noise music and ambient music and it's just really nice to hear that um intersection it really works well together they're very talented producers and especially this track has many different sections and the last section the final section i really like how they loop these vocals over this this beat it's this really low-fi percussive beat and it's a really minimal sparse arrangement but it's really cool There's something about it that just sounds ghostly almost and it's the production and how it all mixes together. So yeah, here is Gotso by Faka.
Gozzo by Faka. And one more time, I'm going to give a shout out to Non Worldwide because they're doing so many good things with this, and it is a fantastic record label. Okay, and now that we've spent some time with African music, this is a new album from an artist named Sot. It's his album Sacred Horror in Design, and he is from Tehran, which is the capital of Iran. And he made an album in 2016 called Hardcore Sounds from Tehran that I really, really enjoyed. And this new one, I think, is even better, even though it's very different. So basically, the whole concept of this album is electronic manipulations and reinterpretations of traditional Eastern sounds. I think he had a three or four piece band that he just worked with and remixed and added his own weird, noisy, electronic touches to. And it is really successful. It is a really wonderful album. There are some really great textures that he gets out of it. And this track especially, I think, showcases all of it. It's called Sega. And it's got these... The first half of the track is spent kind of on this sparse, soloistic playing and kind of a stringed instrument. Sot will throw in these weird noises, these kind of airy textures behind it, but it's all about the second half of this track. The playing on the string instrument gets really, really intense, really, really heavy, and it gets this like dance-like rhythm going. You're like, shun, da, 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 da. and then he'll just put these noises over it and all this electronic percussion. It creates this atmosphere that is just so aggressive and overwhelming, but that's just the perfect thing. It's, it makes such a great track. And so this is Sega from Soat. with Sega. Please check out the rest of that album, Sacred Horror in Design on Opal Tapes. It's really incredible. Each track has its own, you know, distinct kind of character that he moves along with and just super great production. He is really good at what he does. Now, this last one is kind of difficult to place because it's a trio and it's Kaiji Haino, Jim O'Rourke, and Oren Ambarchi from Japan, United States now living in Japan and Australia, respectively. And that's one of the things that all of the music I've played in this podcast so far wants to deal with is how to hold on to culture in a heavily globalized world and when those lines start to fall apart. But every example so far has found a really unique and interesting way to mediate those facts. And so I just want to continue with this. 
This trio of musicians, if you ask me, is one of the most successful of the decade. I mean, Jim O'Rourke is one of my personal favorite musicians ever. I love most, if not all, of what he does. I think he's a complete genius. And these other two musicians equally have huge, fantastic back catalogs. And when the three of them get together and do these live albums, they are something else. Every single one of them is something to look into. And this is from last year. This is one of their trio albums called I Wonder If You Noticed I'm Sorry is Such a Lovely Word. It Keeps Things from Getting Worse. And specifically this first track, who is so cleverly manipulating the word everything. A really long track and album titles there. And this track, I think Kaiji Heino is definitely the one who is spearheading it. He is the center of attention and the focal point. And because of that, it's easy to hear an influence from traditional Japanese music here. While every culture has their sung drama music, you know, there's opera and stuff like that that we have here in the West, Japanese sung dramas like No and Kabuki Theater can take on a much more, I guess, minimal and less melodic kind of thing. I know there's one great movie you can see, it's from the 50s, called The Ballad of Narayama, which uses this kabuki theater method to kind of sing the plot out over these really sparse, non-melodic ways. And you can hear that come through in this track for sure. Kaiji Heino's playing a baglama, which is a Turkish instrument, and Oren Ambarchi's percussion is super sparse and kind of mystical, and I don't know. It, it definitely draws on that tradition of singing a story, but what he's saying is really strange. You know, he keeps yelling like, it is still warm, and just this present I have for you, it's kind of absurd almost, but I don't know. His vocals are really something else. You know, that's always been Kaiji Haino's selling point is his really abrasive, extreme vocals. But here they take on just such a great way of singing. So here is who is so cleverly manipulating the word everything. Is so cleverly manipulating the word everything by Kaiji Haino, Jim O'Rourke, and Oren Ambarchi. Again, I do love all of those records that trio makes, but that's the only track where you'll kind of find that more acoustic kind of mellow texture on it. Okay, and I only have one more, and I want to kind of finish on a really strange conceptual experiment that a musician did. Uh, his name is Rashad Becker. He lives in Berlin, and he's known mostly. He does vinyl mastering, and he's very good at it. He makes really good-sounding records. He actually 
did the vinyl mastering of that track I just played for you. So he's around and he's very famous for that, but he makes his own music and this is an album he made from 2013. It's called Traditional Music of Notional Species, Volume 1, came out on Pan. And Volume 2 came out last year, but I just wanted to focus on this one because I'm a little more familiar with it, and I love it. So yeah, the whole idea behind this is it's a non-existent species of creature that communicates through notions and suggestive things rather than like concrete speech or concrete ideas. And he wanted to create the traditional music of this fictional species that he has come up with. Rashad Becker is not the first person to kind of do this, but in my opinion, he's one of the first people to kind of accurately go about. The one example that comes to mind is Brian Eno's Fourth World Possible Musics. And so in that instance, he was trying to, you know, create a fourth world on Earth of this non-existent population. But all Brian Eno ended up doing there was kind of just stealing the sounds of Eastern classical music and just making them kind of weirder, which in turn, you know, can be harmful for representing cultures like that and calling it fourth world and what have you, you know, that that was his deal. This, however, uh, does not fall into that trap. This is some of the strangest, just most out there music ever. I mean, if there was a species that only communicated with notions and just like non-concrete, non-exact ways of communicating, this might be what that music sounded like. It's a lot of really strange mouth sounds you can almost hear and just like grating electronic noise. I don't know. And this is supposed to be the traditional dances. This is the third movement of a dance suite. Rashad Becker wrote for this. So here it is, Dances 3. Yeah, Dances 3 by Rashad Becker from that traditional music of notional species. Definitely not an easy listen, but super interesting to kind of think about what he's doing. And I wanted to end with that just to kind of send it off after exploring different cultures around the world, exploring a culture that does not exist and was fictionalized. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed this episode. It was a lot of fun for me to put together. I really love world music and exploring the different sounds of the world, and especially when people do such interesting things with them, like they did in the examples I showed here. So um, thanks again, Westminster Forum. Check out that Spotify playlist. Check out the rest of their stuff that they have going on. And yeah, until next time.